You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 15. Today we will have our first of two episodes dealing with questions asked by our faithful listeners. You may remember back in December we encouraged listeners to submit any questions they might have related to some of our previous podcasts, and we received several really good questions and want to answer some of them uh, on our podcast today, and a few other really good questions were also answered privately. So our first question relates to the topic of forgiveness. And there were actually several good questions within this topic. The first question is, if a crime is committed against a believer, can we forgive and yet be a part of the social fabric that calls for a trial and even imprisonment of another, even if the accused is another Christian? Yeah, so that's a good question. And I think uh, the person asking the question, I I know, I should say, I know the person asking the question is very... Uh, aware of the Bible and and what it says, and I think what they're referring to is a passage where St. Paul talks about it being shameful for us to go to court against one another as Christians. As always, I think it's important to keep in mind uh, the context uh, in which the Bible was written, and in this case, you know, it certainly was quite a different context than what we have uh, today. So today, uh, you know, the church is no longer a very small community. So when Paul writes this uh, uh, to the Corinthians about how shameful it is for them to be suing one another in court, you're talking about a very small, close-knit community, very much a minority in society. Today, when you're talking about, and, and quite frankly, even after Constantine the Great legalizes Christianity and makes it the predominant religion, the preferred religion of the empire, you know, you start to have a, a massive community and you no longer can have that, that feel of a small community. You still don't know each other on a personal level and so forth. And so, you know, now it's going to be uh, a lot more difficult for us uh, to apply that passage. It is, of course, you know, at the same time, I, I mean, what St. Paul says is important for us uh, to try to reconcile with others, if possible. Uh, and if we can do that outside of the court and we can do that as Christians, it's wonderful. Uh, but, of course, reconciliation uh, requires that uh, two parties uh, would be willing to do that. And also with that in mind, uh, I think there are a couple of other important things to highlight uh, from a biblical perspective, again, keeping in mind that... Uh, that our context today, the society in which we live, where most people would identify as Christians, we do have to have, you know, a court system where even Christians might sue one another or whether where a Christian might be uh, punished by the courts for a crime against another Christian. But still, we should keep a couple of things in mind. Uh, The first that I would highlight is that uh, we should always uh, want and and even advocate uh, a fair trial for all people and uh, we should advocate that judgments uh, should be just. Another way that we might say that is that we should resist any sense of favoritism uh, based upon uh, one's social or financial standing in society, and certainly that is a biblical concept. We see it when God uh, lays out his law about judging uh, the foreigners that would live among Israel, that they would receive uh, a fair judgment and uh, that they would be treated uh, the same, that the judgment would be based upon uh, the specific actions that were 
that were done in a case and not be based upon someone's social standing. A uh, second thing I think we I would highlight is that we should want the punishment to be fair or proportionate to the crime. Uh, so we should not seek, uh, you know, to penalize somebody beyond uh, what would be considered reasonable. Obviously, that's also part of our Constitution here in the U.S. Somewhat related to that, uh, we should not seek ven vengeance or uh, vigilante justice, uh, referring to uh, Deuteronomy 32, uh, there's a famous passage there where the Lord says that vengeance is mine, and that's also quoted uh, by Paul in Romans and then also in Hebrews. Another thing to highlight would be uh, we should always be willing to work towards forgiveness and reconciliation later down the line with the offender. So, you know, even if that's not possible when an offense first occurs, uh, we should leave that open uh, for the future. You know, and obviously the more serious the crime, the more difficult uh, that becomes, you know, you have uh, serious uh, horrific crimes like, for example, rape or, you know, child abuse or things of that nature uh, that committed against a child where that's going to be very difficult and, and sometimes, you know, it would be advisable even for the victim to just permanently stay away from that person. So there might not be a full reconciliation, but we do still need to work towards forgiveness. And related to that, then I would conclude by uh, encouraging uh, people to remember that not forgiving others is actually... Uh, harmful to us. If we hold grudges, if we're unwilling to forgive, we're still allowing uh, another person uh, to control us. And it, re by retaining our anger, we're actually hurting ourselves and, uh, again, allowing another person to control us. On the same topic, uh, another question from a listener says, we often hear forgive and forget. I understand forgiving and even suffering with the actions of others, but what about the forgetting we tend to hear about as we grow up and, and even as adults? I've seen and heard from well-meaning folks that somehow we must not only forgive but forget. In minor cases, I certainly do agree we need to simply move on. However, in cases of great damage, what does Scripture teach? Can we forget? Are we required to forget? Very, very good question, and uh, this will lead us into an area where, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't hear a lot of us uh, preaching uh, ab about this area that I'll discuss when it relates to our own sins uh, later on when I mention uh, what, what we see in the prophet Ezekiel. But first, to answer the question directly, uh, there's nothing in the Bible uh, of which I'm aware that would indicate we have to, quote, forget uh, someone's sins against us. I would make the argument, in fact, uh, that if we even were capable of doing that, quite frankly, at least for major sins, I don't think we could uh, forget them in our lifetime. Uh, but if we could, uh, what would be the point of forgiveness? Uh, forgiveness is really only forgiveness when we know that the person whom we're forgiving is uh, not necessarily deserving of it or that they have harmed us or they've hurt us. Uh, you know, and even if we feel they're deserving, at least uh, knowing that you know, they hurt us. If we forget about that, then it's not really forgiveness. And that's why uh, on one of our earliest episodes, uh, when I talked about true love in the context of marriage, I stressed it can only come after people have harmed one another, uh, yet still work through that and uh, are able to forgive one another. Now, what we're told to do uh, with respect to forgiveness uh, in the Bible is to do what God does. Furthermore, we are told that the only reason uh, that we have to forgive others, the sole basis for that is because God first forgave us. So it's entirely irrelevant uh, if the person is uh, by 
our understanding somehow deserving of or even requesting forgiveness. All that matters is that God forgave us. Constantly taught this uh, by Jesus throughout the Gospels. Now, uh, turning to forgetting, we should also recognize uh, that in this area, we should do what God does. And what God does uh, not do, technically speaking, is forget. He behaves as though he forgot. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west, as it says in the Psalms. But he does not actually, quote, forget. Furthermore, uh, in the kingdom, neither will we forget our sins. And the reason I'm saying that is because of what we see in Ezekiel 16. At the end of that chapter, God talks about restoring the Israelites, and he tears them uh, apart for having betrayed him. I mean, he just, he's, he's merciless on them uh, in his words. And he shows them uh, that they behave worse than the nations who did not have uh, the same special relationship uh, with God that the Israelites had. So let me share with our hearers this powerful passage. It's taken from Ezekiel 16, 60 through 63, when God talks about restoring his covenant. And I'm quoting here. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you receive your older and your younger sisters. For I will give them to you for daughters, but not because of my covenant with you. And I will establish my covenant with you. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth any more because of your shame when I provide you an atonement for all you have done, says the Lord God. And that's the end of the quote. So what I'm getting at, what this passage is getting at, is that God does not forget uh, that we sinned against him, but neither will we. Uh, So we will uh, carry our shame, so to speak, in the kingdom. Even when we're there in his kingdom, we'll constantly remember we're not worthy. And thus we should remember, notice I didn't say forget, I said the opposite of that. I said that we should remember that while others have sinned against us, we forgive because God forgave us. Uh, This is a very powerful teaching uh, by the Bible on this, uh, in my opinion. Thank you for that, Father. Turning to some other questions on another topic, a listener asked us to discuss pride in more depth. And the question relates to our episode about the passage to sell all you have and follow me. Here's what they said and they asked. In my view, most people never think to themselves that they are filled with pride that needs to be released or surrendered, or as you said, sold. It is difficult to see pride within yourself. My question is twofold. How can I recognize the pride that exists with persistence within? What will help me realize or see that pride? And are there any practical ways or steps for relinquishing pride? Father, let's take uh, those one at a time and begin with this. How can we recognize that pride exists within us? I think the first thing to note is that pride does exist, and that's just a fact of life. And so actually, I think the more that we're convinced it doesn't exist within us, probably the more prideful we are. I would say that we, uh, you know, we want to be recognized when we do something good. So I think one of the things that we can ask ourselves and and examine within ourselves is, do we want to be recognized when we do something good? Or do we listen to the Lord who says to go in our closet to pray so that others wouldn't see us? 
that if we fast, that we should uh, try to appear to others as being healthy and vibrant so we wouldn't be showing off our fasting. And then uh, to not let our left hand uh, know what our right hand is doing, you know, with our charitable giving and our tithing. So the more that we notice within ourselves that we would like attention, the more prideful we can see that we are. Another thing I think it's important to pay attention to is uh, how we respond uh, when things don't go our way. And these can be very simple things in life. I'm not just talking about uh, big things that don't go our way. But I, I look at myself even uh, as a parent. I've shared this you know, with other parents when we, when we talk uh, pastorally or even in confession. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we have an idea of how things could, should go uh, for, during our day, and our kids get in our way, so to speak, uh, and things get derailed from what we want. We can see how do we respond to that. Are we willing to change as, as things come our way? Not to say that we relinquish our role as parents, but just naturally things will happen with kids that kind of get us derailed and off track. And are we willing to be flexible with that? Are we willing to say, hey, I'm going to submit to the fact that I can't control everything. Are we prideful and think that we can try to control and manipulate how everything happens in our lives and in the world around us? And, you know, the same thing could be said for our spouses, uh, our employers, and so forth. Things are going to come up with respect to our our day and and with things that we wanted to do, and we're going to have to adjust. And if we're humble and not prideful, then we'll be willing to submit to those types of things. Another thing uh, we can do is to see what we think, what we say, and and how we behave uh, when we receive criticism. You know, how do we respond even within ourselves? Are, are we open to criticism? Are we open to hearing about areas in which we could improve, or do we fight against them? We can tell we're making progress in this area if we stop fighting that criticism in our actions and start to be willing to learn from other people, even about our own weaknesses. But it, ta- it does seem to take longer even where internally we're willing to give that up and and to be open to that type of thing and and until we get to that point we can still see that pride within us and then finally i would say are we willing to admit mistakes and especially are we willing to do that publicly so these are some things i'd point to in terms of signs to evaluate and to see pride within ourselves okay and to the second question are there any practical steps for relinquishing pride Yeah, it kind of relates to what I said above about how we don't technically forget sins. We should remember that we have sinned against God, and so when we see others doing that, uh, we should remember that we also struggle. And so it it reminds us, you know, that we're not perfect. We don't have a lot to be proud about. We have also been sinners and and continue to sin. I think some other things uh, to do are to practice not speaking well about ourselves uh, when we're around others, not trying to draw attention to our accomplishment or things of which we're proud. Um, You know, not to say that we can't have uh, private conversations with our spouse, with our friends, with our family, and so forth, but, you know, not doing things out of uh, the ordinary to draw attention to ourselves, or even sometimes not just out of the ordinary, but just saying, you know, I'm just going to keep some of these things to myself. I don't need to gloat. And then uh, some other things uh, we can do include uh, learning to submit uh, to our spouse, to our children, uh, as I mentioned earlier, referred to kind of uh, above, uh, submitting to our employers, uh, allowing other people to make decisions for us when things are of little consequences uh, and so forth. 
For example, again, with our children, you know, when things come up, when they want us to do something with them, uh, when we have things that we feel like we need to get done around the house and and they kind of get on our nerves, they're requiring our attention, uh, so forth. Instead of uh, doing that begrudgingly, we can just submit to the fact that we're parents and we have these responsibilities. And although there are other things that we want to do, we can uh, submit to the needs of our children, spend time with them and so forth. And also what I mentioned about, you know, some of the little things uh, of little consequence, you know, if we're going out to eat with people, we can ask them, you know, what do you recommend on, on the menu? What do you think I should have to eat? And just submit to the decisions they make and, and start learning that we don't need to, to control and manipulate our environment. Thank you, Father. We began by discussing the topic of forgiveness specifically if a crime is committed against us and our participation in the trial of the accused. Father Aaron provided us with guidelines in this matter, including that we should want the trial to be fair and the judgment to be just, that there would be no favoritism shown, that the punishment should be fair based on the severity of the crime, that we should not seek vengeance, and that we must be willing to forgive and seek reconciliation. By not forgiving, we are allowing the person to remain in control and we retain our anger. On the question of not only forgiving, but also forgetting, Father stressed that if we were to forget, then that would negate the forgiveness. The only reason that we have to forgive is because God first forgave us. We then turn to a question regarding pride. We were reminded that pride is something that we all carry and struggle with. If we do not recognize our pride exists, the more likely it is to be a problem for us. Father provided some practical examples to help us recognize and combat our pridefulness, including resisting the temptation to speak well of ourselves when around others, working to not draw attention to our accomplishments, submitting to our spouse and to our children, and being willing to admit to our mistakes, and even to admit those mistakes in public. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to thee, O God. Hallelujah, 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 glory to thee, O God.